Howdy, y'all. Welcome to Components. I'm Ren, product marketer at Hereto and your podcast MC. I'm Patrick, CEO here at Hereto. And I'm Jared, lead solutions consultant. Thanks for joining us on our weekly conversation about componentized and structured content. Hope you enjoy this 15 or so minutes of fun talking about everything from data to innovations in AI. All right, let's get into it. All right, fair enough. Content ops it is. We can riff on this a little bit. I, I was wondering about like the whole adding the ops suffix to pretty much everything and how recent that trend is because I feel like there's a something ops in every single company and I've had to look up what many of them are. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, that has been happening. And I think it's one of those things where it's it's actually kind of a good thing as much as it's also a little bit of a fad. The uh, The ops, I think, kind of injects the notion that something needs to be well-organized and following best practices. Jared, this is probably not something that you have a, a lot of input on, is it? <laughs> I haven't thought about this much. What I have been thinking about is the reason you would want content operations in place. You know, we often don't think about um, software documentation in a sense of like, I mean, I think we often take it for granted that a new feature rolls out and that feature is going to be so intuitive that users are just going to be able to pick up on it. But imagine you had a new feature rolled out to your car every week. You know, like you need good documentation. You need that documentation to roll out quickly so people can understand what this is. And it needs to be done in a very uniform way. Um, so any of the, the processes that are going to support that operation of getting that content out the door in a, in a reliable, scalable, and efficient way are going to be things that you need to focus on. Uh, because your products are updating weekly, biweekly, you know, whatever your whatever your current development process is, and you need to have a content system that supports. Um, and by system, I mean like the whole operation side. But you need to have a system that supports that. Yeah, so I, th- I think content ops is is a response to velocity in the same way that DevOps is a, a response to velocity and development, right? So you think about like, why did DevOps become a thing? It became a thing because people wanted to go from releasing new versions every year to releasing new versions every week. Um, Now, obviously most organizations don't make that jump exactly like that. They kind of like walk backwards into that until they get to a a comfortable point. But the only way that really works is if you have the operational structure to handle that cadence um, I think it's, you know, this is something that's pretty well understood in any kind of um, uh, process-driven uh, environment. And, and, and content ops is really kind of following in that same footstep where the quantity of content and the cadence with which it goes out, one, has to keep up with product, uh, and two, you know, is being asked to do a lot more as we move further and further towards a digital customer experience. So, you know, what it means is like you need systems, people, and processes to support this. I mean, it's, 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 (laughs) you don't want to minimize it because I mean, it is a big thing, but in a lot of ways, like it's actually pretty simple conceptually. The best ideas always are. And some of the hardest ones to implement often are. Yeah. Yeah. Like it sounds easy, but I can imagine like companies who have their content processes as they are in place and people are just creating content and then they 
realize that they need to grow and see this content ops thing and understand that they need to do it, but they don't know the first place to start? Well, so I, th I think I think the the type of organization you are matters here. It makes a pretty big difference. So I think one of the more challenging scenarios for this is kind of when you're in that that weird stage between being a more traditional business. So like, let's just use manufacturing as an example. Um, but you're also moving to something which is more digital enabled, right? So, you know, take the the transition that, you know, we'll use a really easy example here. We'll use Tesla, for instance. So Tesla is like really one end of the spectrum in terms of manufacturing. Like they manufacture something which is, and simple is the wrong word, but it's it's very consistent in terms of like the actual physical good, right? It's it's the everything is drive by wire. It's you know it's motors attached to wheels attached to a battery, basically. I mean, like the actual like infrastructure of what the car is is not. Um, it doesn't have a bajillion moving moving pieces. I think it actually only has like seventeen or something like that. Um, so most of the car is actually software, right? Um, and this is one of the um, this is one of the points that a lot of people make about this, including on the coffee and content episode that we did. Um, well, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but in the past. Um, so the thing about that is that um, all cars are somewhere on the spectrum now, or there's some combination of mechanical good, which has a long development cycle and then has a you know very long predictable content cycle that goes with it. But also there's going to be a shorter software cycle that's involved. So if you're a manufacturing organization, and the more digital your good becomes, which means that you know the more the good can do when it's updated via a patch or when it's um, it's changed over you know uh, a newer version that's downloaded from wherever, the more your software you're a software company, and now you have to mix this traditional process of producing what are typically very large manuals and typically a set of very large manuals with the process of also having the um, the digital aspect move at a more software pace. So when you update the software that's in your product, um, you have to update the content that's on the web to support that because you can't ship a new manual with it anymore. And I think like that's one of the cases that's going to be most challenging for people because they have to kind of live in both worlds and their content operations uh, is going to have to support both worlds. It's going to have to be very agile, but it's also going to have to be able to produce the traditional materials. So it's like two levels of content operation in that sense, or would they be together? Well, I mean, like it, the content ops is the umbrella. So, you know, content ops doesn't specify that you have to have one thing or another. It's, it's that there's, it has to be a formality to it, I think is, mm -hmm. is a better way of putting it. So it's, it's really, it's, it's having known and well understood practices for, for moving through these things in a coordinated team-based way. Is I think one of the ways you define it. So like if you, again, if you look at you, t you kind of take like the extreme end of traditional with the extreme end of of modern. Um, you know, a very traditional method for dealing with content materials was that every writer owned a book. So like, you know, Jared owned the user manual for this thing, and I owned you know the user manual for this other thing, um, and you know that was like our thing. Like we were subject matter experts in that thing to some extent. Um, so, and, you know, we probably own more than one book. So like every book kind of had a writer owner, um, in today's world that doesn't so much exist anymore. What you end up with is, you know, you had the traditional situation where it's, it's like book owned by writer. 
modern world, it's teams own the content, right? So there's less of a book paradigm in general, because even when there is a book, a lot of the content is shared between it and many other deliverables. Um, the I would dare to say that even in the most traditional industries, the book is probably not the most important output, or if it is, it won't be in the next two to three years. You know, you'll, the the actual like native web will become the more important, or maybe native app will become the more important output uh, or the more used output. But you know, the book structure as it relates to creating something which is more of like even if it's a digital hard good uh, PDF, um, it, it'll still exist. So, um, you know, I think that as it relates to content operations, it it's kind of formalizing the the team sport that we play now. It's formalizing the process of how we do this as a team and how we do this, you know, frankly, a lot more efficiently. You know, how do we do this in a way where, you know, we're being asked to produce a lot more output, you know, regardless of whether or not it's more words, it's got to be more words and more systems from more use cases and more audiences. You know, we're being asked to cover a much broader spectrum of the customer experience. But you think about the really traditional usage of documentation. And what part of the customer experience did that did that really touch? Like again, if we go back to the to the to the um, let's take the car example again. As a user of a of, of a car, which is a funny way of saying someone who drives a car, but I mean in this case you're a user of a car. Um, it's car users. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna start referring myself to as a user of a car. I actually have to go buy a new car. I'm gonna tell them I want to. <laughs> I'm a very I use a car today too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a car user. I'm a very particular car user. Um, but like, when, how often do you reference the manual? Like, nearly never. It was almost a negligible part of the customer experience. But as you go forward, and your car becomes more of a of a of a digital first system, and a lot of the things that it does are software based, and those things are not necessarily intuitive right away you're going to need more information like and it's going to show up in that big screen that's going to take up the you know more and more of your car you know the more your car becomes a computer the more your, your car is going to need to inform you as to how it's going to behave what it's going to do how you are going to interact with it now that it's going to drive itself most of the time you know so it's like this transition right it's it's when you think about the the reference material, the instructive material going from being something which was um, nice and printed and stuffed somewhere like in the box, blah, 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 and really only used when somebody had a very confusing or troublesome situation. And like that was the, that was the limitation of the customer experience around this. Now it's going to be something which is going to be delivered progressively in real time to inform people about how the thing they're using has changed because like you're, the things you buy change now. I mean, like you just think about that. Like when, you know, you go back five years, even you buy a car, that car is the same from day one until day one, ever, whenever you sell it, that's not going to be the future. So you're going to now have to explain to your user, your car user across their whole, their, their, their whole customer journey, how your car is changing in real time. And like, you have to be ready for that kind of stuff. And that's going to impact everything. Like that's going to impact all industries. You know I mean? Like, Washing machines are going to become, you know, computers that spin water. Um, 
it's like it's just it's the it's the same thing in all in all cases like the world is going to become more digital products are going to update in real time content needs to have operational cadence that can keep up with it and it needs to be a better part of the customer experience so people understand and it's a slow shift for organizations to do this a lot of them i mean there are still companies that i'm working with that talk about having owners for particular documents and we try to have i try to have conversations with them that you're now in a system you're now in a CCMS that sets you up for content operations in a way that um, having owners for documents is a bad approach now. And it's a, it's a, we've talked about this before, but it's going to be a huge operational shift for people to move to this. Um, but it's going to be a mandatory shift for people too when they're creating content. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, you know, we talk a lot about from a future product perspective um, at, at Easy Data, I think is, really interesting in this regard is that people are always going to have some level of like domain knowledge ownership. So there's always going to be somebody who knows this thing better than anybody else or a small group of people. Right. But the thing is that that's not going to be the size of a book anymore. Um, that's not to say that people are going to know less. It's just going to mean that like, it's going to be diffused through a lot of different things. Right. You know, as your products um, become more inter, uh, interrelated and coupled together and like you get um, content, which is, you know, being pushed out to a lot of different channels, you know, the, your, your, your domain of knowledge ownership, if you will, um, will be pushed out like through all of these things rather than being kind of like coupled to a hard thing, which is this book. And I think that that's a really positive shift, honestly. I think being able to go in and say, you know, like this topic, this piece of content is about the CMS API and these three people are the primary developers on the CMS API. And this individual is the primary tester for the CMS API. And this individual is the primary, um, you know, customer advocate solutions consultant for the CMS API, you know, so by them having kind of domain knowledge ownership of those things, they should be the ones who review this and update this and maintain this piece of content. Um, as opposed to like, you know, Jared owns this book. Content rules, but it can be a lot. I'm sure you've noticed that a lot of these topics are connected, but our short podcast episodes barely scratch the surface. Have no fear, because in the description, we have links to videos, blog posts, and other information that help shine some light on some of the more intense, murky topics. In no time, you're going to have a little bit better idea about structured content and enterprise content strategy. Hope you enjoy.